Hi, hi. Welcome to the Servative Hour, an anti-conservative movement call-in talk radio show. I'm Brian Mary, host of this show since August 2005, and the topic for this August 2nd, 2022, is what's actually in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Because, of course, conservative movement media has been doing a lot of lying about what's in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And a lot of misrepresenting really goes to the core of the ideology. It's understandable to desire to be wealthier and more powerful and to not want to be poorer and weaker. However, the conservative movement ideology is that the not just that wealth and power should be worshipped, but that the wealthy and the powerful should be worshipped. And all good things should go to them. Because, of course, all good things come from them. They are the job creators, the innovators who bring us lower prices and better products, at least according to their mythology. And the poorer people, well, their poverty is a result of their moral failures. They are to be despised and treated with harshness and austerity. It's really a worship of the rich and powerful over the poor and weak, masculine over the feminine the uh, anyway I have an article from popular.com the failures of Ayn Rand and case I'll make against conservative movement economics versus progressive movement economics is that it is counterproductive when it comes to the wealth of the nation, standard of living, life expectancy, the good things of life. Because, of course, if uh, the most wealthy and powerful are the ones to be most favored, True, they might take that extra cash and open more businesses or expand the businesses they have, hire more people, bring better things at lower prices. Of course, if there's no consumer demand because the poorer people are to be treated uh, with such austerity and reduction of public services, protections, benefits, a lower tax rate, if they're to be crushed, 
Well, then they won't have the money to spend to stimulate the economy to create jobs or the money to better their own situations. And if there's no consumer demand, well, persons such as private equity managers and hedge fund managers might have, because uh, to invest in hiring people and opening businesses, expanding businesses, well, it can take a long time to get a return on that. However, breaking up companies, selling off, off their assets, firing employees, or buying out the competition, merging production facilities, laying off workers, calling it increasing efficiency, having your stock value go up as a result, well, that's a lot easier to do with your money to make more money. And a lot of wealth and power accumulating at the top has never really been good for any economy. Anyway, from the failures of Ayn Rand on the matter of looters and parasites from October 11th, 2019, spite Maria Bastios on Popula.com, I'll just skip most of the article because I do want to get on to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. But these arguments you find are really the core of conservatism. The worship of wealth and power, and the wealthy and the powerful, and the contempt for the poor and the weak. middle of the article I'll start. Rand's commitment to egotism as the basis for morality began as a reaction against the collectivist impulses she blamed for the collapse of Russia, where she was born in 1905. Her family's wealth had been grabbed in the revolution, so it's no surprise that Rand would be anti-communist. What is surprising is that she could bring herself to believe that the, quote, altruistic motives of communism were responsible for the ruin of her native country. Objectivism, which is the philosophy of Ayn Rand, is 100% pro-individualism and anti-altruism. Rand believed that altruism is literal, literally wrong, that it weakens the all-important individual and his chances of finding happiness. Most of her shtick enthronement of the will, super-individualism, exaltation of, quote, artists, unquote, atheism, the ubermensch, who is superior to the regular kind of mensch, was based on a simplistic reading of Nietzsche, though she later denied his influence, claiming only Aristotle as a philosophical forebearer. But according to Rand biographer Jennifer Burns, whose book, Goddess of the Market, Ayn Rand and the American Right, Rand's early notebooks and journals all but feature little hearts drawn around Nietzsche's name. To quote from her notebooks, quote, Nietzsche and I think, and, quote, as Nietzsche says, and so on. 
The possibility that the unfettered egotism of guys like Stalin might be the main problem with the Russian government, rather than too much altruism, escaped Rand entirely. As someone whose family likewise hails from a communist country, I find it bizarre that this was not obvious to her. When all the big houses, all the money and privileges in a society, accrue to just one group of people, it is safe to conclude that those people are not acting out of it is safe to conclude that those people are acting out of self-interest and not altruism or patriotism or whatever other bokas virtues they are ascribing to themselves. Just watch who gets richer if you want to know what the real motivation is. Not to put too fine a point on it, Stalin was probably about the greatest objectivist who ever lived, with a few possible exceptions like Mao, Hitler, and Mohammed bin Salman. And a little bit lower, just one other paragraph I'll relate. Rand is 100% pro-inequality. She preaches the intellectual and moral superiority of wealth and scorn and hatred of those who have, quote, less, unquote. Objectivism actively praises inequality, but the truth is that nobody has, quote, less, unquote, because all have the same of the only thing that matters, life, for a moment, and then, something, nothing, nobody knows. Equality is not a fantasy, not even a goal. It is only a fact. And if you wanted to read that whole article, mentions other great objectivists, i.e. conservatives, uh, I might mention myself, a uh, Nicole Machiavelli, um, see, he wrote about the wealth of the individual prince, not the wealth of the nation, like Adam Smith did in 1776 in his uh, On Wealth of Nations, Father of Capitalism. If you actually read it, you'll find it's a very much a progressive economics book, encouraging... <clears throat> while stating that it's not unreasonable that the richer should pay uh, for the public expense, uh, not just in proportion to their wealth, but uh, something uh, more than that. And that uh, taxing the poor, who are already, by the literal definition of the word, very taxed, that would only uh, be bad for the wealth of the nation. Statement from President Biden on Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. This was uh, from WhiteHouse.gov, the White House, July 27th, 2022. This afternoon, I spoke with Senators Schumer and Manchin and offered my support for the agreement they have reached on a bill to fight inflation and lower costs for American families. With this agreement, we have a chance to make prescription drugs cheaper by allowing Medicare to negotiate lower prices, and we can lower health insurance costs for 13 million Americans by an average of $800 a year for families covered under the Affordable Care Act. 
We will improve our energy security and tackle the climate crisis by providing tax credits and investments for energy projects. This will create thousands of new jobs and help lower energy costs in the future. This bill will reduce the deficit beyond the record-setting $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction we have already achieved this year, which will help fight inflation as well. And we will pay for all of this by requiring big corporations to pay their fair share of taxes, with no tax increases at all for families making under $400,000 a year. This is the action the American people have been waiting for. This addresses the problem of problems of today, high health care costs and overall inflation, as well as investments in our energy security for the future. I will have more to say on this later. For now, I want to thank Senator Schumer and Senator Manchin for the extraordinary effort that it took to reach this result. If enacted, this legislation will be historic, and I urge the Senate to move on this bill as soon as possible and for the House to follow as well. And I plan on going over all of the objections and misrepresentations that have been uh, told by conservative movement media, have looked them all up and researched them well, and have an answer to them all. <clears throat> but I will say it is the uh, core conservative movement ideology, and you see it in reflected by writers and philosophers, such as, uh, and it really has to do with the idea of, uh, do you believe the world is a place that you can make better or worse, or is it just the way it is and you got to get used to it? They will sometimes say any thought of making it better is utopian, but that's a false all-or-nothing problem. You can always make things better. You can always make things worse. It's not something which you just have to toughen up and endure. And I suppose the idea that uh, through pain you find salvation, that the inflicting of pain on the poorer people is, I suppose, supposed to result in them working harder to uh, not shield them from the pain of their poverty, to have them feel it more keenly, and so they will uh, be improved by that rather than crushed. But of course, no pain for those at the top because they deserve every bit of pleasure they can have. And someone who could work but refuses to work could either be someone sleeping on the sidewalk or someone who's inherited a mansion and a fortune that will allow them to never have to work again, and that's what they choose to do. Of course, you find more people who could work but just won't at the top Whereas at the bottom, you often find people who, well, more people would just be very difficult for them to hold a job that they could uh, survive on. And when you're speaking of people who really just can't hold a job to uh, support themselves, you're talking about people who qualify for social security income, 
because they're disabled in some way, or the elderly who get uh, that Social Security. And, of course, Social Security is something that conservatives have as part of their agenda to eliminate. Then you have the people who are having difficulty, but they're not having so much difficulty that they qualify for Social Security income. But still, and maybe it is due to something in themselves, are just not able to uh, earn enough or at least have difficulty earning enough to get by. I'd say they're having a hard enough time as it is. So why do you feel that uh, they're not being taxed enough? Those of the Ayn Rand, Alan Greenspan, Milton Friedman, Friedrich Nietzsche, Friedrich Hayek, and Ayn Rand schools of uh, austerity for those in poverty and luxury for uh, to be enjoyed by those with wealth. And uh, to be wrong to help the poor and needing some sort of ideology that uh, makes you feel okay about that. Conservatism. Oh. It's getting on towards the half hour. But I think I'll get into this article. Suddenly, Joe Manchin's playing ball on climate, health care, and taxes. It's by Dr. Zoom from July 28, 2022. Surprise news from Washington last night. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat New York, and Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, announced that they had reached an agreement on a bill that will address climate change, limit health care costs, hold down inflation, and put a little dent in the federal deficit too, since it includes measures that the Senate has been working on for months. The bill text is ready to go. In a nod to the thing Manchin kept saying prevented him from supporting any version of Joe Biden's Build Back Better agenda, the bill is named the Inflation Reduction Act, although it would be terribly cynical to suggest that, it ju that just renaming it was enough to get Manchin on board. But if that was what did the job, then Schumer clearly needs to do one more re reconciliation bill that would extend the expanded child tax credit for the full 10 years, pay for it, and another whack at the Trump tax cuts and call it the Deficit Reduction Act. I think I'll get back to this later with some of the particulars. But I wanted to get to some of the lies being told about it first. From NewYorkMag.com, New York Magazine, <coughs> From August 1st, 2022, Republicans say Biden's plan taxes the middle class. That's false. Biden's plan fulfills his campaign promise. This is by Jonathan Chait. Over the weekend, a Congressional Tax Committee analyzed a portion of the Tax Inflation Reduction Act Senator Joe Manchin struck with Senator Chuck Schumer and President Biden. 
Republicans inaccurately claimed the report shows the plan would increase taxes on the middle class. The plan, in fact, raises taxes only on corporations with an income over $1 billion. It does not raise taxes on individual taxpayers at all. This false claim immediately began to spread through conservative media. The study by the Joint Committee on Taxation, quote, finds that the average tax rates will increase for nearly every income category in 2023 under the bill, end quote, asserts the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Quote, this gives the lie to Democratic claims that no one earning under $400,000 will pay more taxes under the bill, a promise Mr. Biden also made in his campaign. The reality is that the Schumer Mansion bill is a tax increase on nearly every American. End quote from the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which since Rupert Murdoch bought it in... Uh, the early 2000s, makes it about as believable as the nighttime hosts on Fox News, who in court claim that no reasonable person would, be, would expect to believe anything they say, so please do not sue us for our lies, voting software and machine companies. Anyway... Even some neutral media have given this charge respectful treatment. Quote, Biden vowed never to raise taxes on any Americans making less than $400,000 annually, reports the Capitol Hill newsletter Punchbowl. Quote, Yet according to the Joint Committee on Taxation, the Schumer Mansion bill does just that. End quote. The JCT report simply does not find this at all. The false assertion that Manchin's deal raises taxes on the middle class combines a series of fallacies. First, the study performed at the behest of Senate Republicans analyzes only a portion of the bill. It omits all the benefits from the tax credits for health care, green energy, and lower prescription drug prices. I will explain the importance of this omission in a bit. <coughs> Second, and far more importantly, the partial analysis does not actually find that the plan increases taxes on the middle class. It is an, an, it is an analysis of the burden of a proposal which would establish a 15% minimum corporate income tax on firms with incomes over $1 billion. The complication that enters the picture is that the JCT, like other economic modelers, tries to project how the burden of a tax increase is borne. The agency used to assume that corporate tax increases are borne entirely by shareholders in the firms that pay the tax. In 2013, the agency changed its modeling assumptions and now assumes that corporate tax increases are not borne entirely by shareholders. Instead, firms respond to tax increases in part by reducing wages for their employees and reducing investment, which ultimately leads to slightly lower wages. These assumptions are projections. It is still a subject of significant dispute, and nobody believes the assumptions can be treated as anything more than an educated guess. But, but even assuming JCTs, 
projections are completely correct, it is not a description of a tax increase on the middle class. It is a forecast, rather, that a tax increase on large corporations will eventually lead to slightly lower incomes by the middle class. JCT's table breaks down this burden by income category, but it is not showing that the people in these income categories will pay more tax. Republicans are perfectly free to use these projections to argue that the Democratic plan will hurt the middle class, but to insist that it will raise taxes on the middle class is simply false. Obviously, it sounds bad that the Democrats' plan would have effects that reduce incomes for the middle class, but here is where the partial nature of the analysis makes it especially misleading. Financing the government isn't free. All spending programs have some cost, either through borrowing or taxation. But they also have benefits. The JCT analysis measures the cost side of the Democrats' program, but not the benefit side. <clears throat> it likewise makes no attempt to measure the benefits either of a lower deficit or of lower pollution, both of which would result from the bill. Nor does this analysis vindicate the Republican claim that Biden would be violating his promise not to increase taxes on people earning less than $400,000. Biden campaigned on a promise to increase the corporate tax rate to pass the plan he openly campaigned on would not break his promise. It would fulfill it. And if you would like to read that article in full can be found on nymag.com under the headline, Republicans say Biden's plan taxes the middle class. That's false. Biden's plan fulfills his campaign promise. It's now 11.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. I'm Brian Mary, hosting the Servative Hour. The phone number to call in is 402 474 5086. I should have said that sooner in the show because, of course, callers are always welcome to call in at any time, except when I'm playing a song because then I'd have to put you on hold. So just wait until the song's over and call in there, and, and I'll be more than glad to punch the on the air button and listen to you state your point of view. And this is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD 89.3 FM, KZUM.org online. That was Sharon Tandy from the summer of 1967 with the song Hold On. Well, before actually getting to the topic of what's actually in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, in detail, I want to go over some points which, as I said, the conservative movement media has uh, misrepresented or brought up as objections. <clears throat> One objection was that it would raise the price of gasoline. Actually, there was a claim, not an actual objection to the reality of the situation. However, I did calculate how much it would raise the average price for a gallon of gasoline, which I will reveal in a moment. But from worldoil.com, the website that's all oil all the time, 
Democrats' oil import tax would violate Biden pledge, group says. This is from August 1st, 2022. From Bloomberg, reprinted from there. Democrats plan to reinstate a 27-year-old fee on oil imports represents a violation of a pledge by President Joe Biden not to raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 per year. According to the conservative Americans for Tax Reform, <clears throat> the proposal to levy a 16.4 cents per barrel tax on crude oil and other imported petroleum products is included in the $433 billion tax and climate bill that would see a Senate vote this week. The tax, quote, will be paid by consumers in the form of higher gas and energy costs, the Washington-based group said in a statement Monday. The group also noted that it's been only a matter of weeks since gasoline prices were at a record high. The Superfund tax would be used to help pay for the cleanup of hazardous waste sites. The levy, which previously stood at 9.7 cents per barrel until it lapsed at the end of 1995, would be indexed to inflation under the plan announced last week by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin. It could raise almost $12 billion, according to a congressional estimate. Okay, so... The proposal to levy a 16.4 cents per barrel tax on crude oil. Let's see just how much a 16.4 cent increase on a barrel of oil would cost you for a gallon of gasoline. First, a barrel, one oil barrel, <coughs> holds uh, 42 U.S. liquid gallons of oil. So that's uh, 42 gallons. And with uh, 16.4 cents per barrel and 42 gallons in a barrel, that comes out to 0.39 cents per gallon. That's uh, three. That's 0.39 tenths of a cent. But just 37 percent of U.S. oil is imported, so not all oil would get that uh, point. 39 cents per gallon tax with 37% of the oil being imported that would mean the total tax increase on a gallon of gasoline would be 0.1443 cents one tenth almost about one half tenth of a cent added to the price of a gallon of gasoline Oh my, we will have to pay 0.1443 more cents for a gallon of gasoline. Such a burden on which to uh, rest the claim that this is a uh, tax increase for those making less than $400,000 a year, that they would have to pay 0.1443 cents more per gallon of gasoline. Then you have the uh, <clears throat> farmer groups hoping to scare Americans into letting them make fools of us forever, claiming that if uh, the government could negotiate for buying in bulk, 
prescriptions for those on Medicare? Why then, the poor pharmaceutical companies wouldn't be able to develop any drugs. However, from Inet Economic Institute for New Economic Thinking, intereconomics.org, or Inet, anyway, I can't pronounce it. I N E T E economics economics I N I net economics okay that's good enough I net economics.org US tax dollars funded every new pharmaceutical in the last decade and that's by Fred Ledley Matthew Jackson's and uh, Katerina Clary from September 2nd, 2020. <clears throat> anyway. I want to get to the totality of the bill. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this program is followed by the Groove Machine, which is on from midnight until 2 a.m. Wednesday morning. And also the weather. It's now 88 degrees Fahrenheit. Feels like 96 with humidity. And uh, tonight, a low of 78 predicted. And tomorrow, a high of 96. It's uh, kind of hot and humid out there. Uh, the article I was reading earlier, Suddenly Joe Manchin's Playing Ball on Climate, Healthcare, Taxes, <clears throat> by Dr. Zoom on wonket.com from July 28, 2022. We'll just start in with uh, where I left off. The bill includes 390... 369.75 billion for fighting climate change, mostly in the form of tax credits and incentives. So it, if it passes, it'll be the biggest investment in climate action the federal has taken to date. <coughs> Dollar-wise, that total falls short of the more ambitious $555 billion for climate action in the House version of Build That Better that passed last fall, but it's also $369.75 billion more in climate spending than we were looking at yesterday morning. A Senate fact sheet estimates the measures in the bill will, quote, put the U.S. on a path to roughly 40% emissions reductions by 2030, helping to boost the U.S. transition to clean energy and transportation. The bill also aims to contain health care costs by authorizing Medicare to negotiate prices for prescription drugs, a long-standing Democratic goal. It also would cap seniors' out-of-pocket prescription drug costs at $2,000 a year and would extend tax credits that have helped reduce Obamacare health insurance premiums. That latter bit is a big deal, since without it, the tax credits, which were part of Biden's American Rescue Plan stimulus package, would have expired next year, 
meaning premium increases for folks buying health insurance through the ACA exchanges. It would also have been bad news for the midterms since states would have had to notify policyholders of the increases this fall before the elections. The climate and health care spending would be paid for through the savings from the prescription drug measure, as well as by targeted tax increases, including a new 15% tax on corporate profits that will bring in $739 billion over 10 years, enough to cover the new spending and to reduce the federal deficit by $300 billion, which appealed to Manchin's fiscal hawk impulses. In a long statement, Manchin took credit for finally getting Washington politicians to take inflation seriously, and if that's how he wants to frame it, we're fine with him declaring victory while actually passing necessary legislation. Well, good for him. And I think I'll skip the rest of this article since time is short, and I wanted to get to uh, this next one. But if you wanted to read that in full can be found on wonket.com under the headline, Suddenly Joe Manchin's Playing Ball on Climate, Healthcare, Taxes. From the WashingtonPost.com. And uh, fortunately, I've waited long enough to use them that I got through the paywall. Yeah. This is from August 1st, 2022 by the editorial board. Don't sink this bill, Senator Cinema. Senate Democrats have overcome obstacle after obstacle in their push to pass a reconciliation package, and this week they're close to the finish, unless a final something or someone stands in their way. Senator Christian Cinema, Democrat Arizona, reportedly wasn't included in talks between Senator Joe Manchin, the third Democrat West Virginia, and Senate Majority Leader Charles E. Schumer, Democrat New York, as they hammered out the details of the Surprise Inflation Reduction Act announced last week. The deal, nonetheless, is largely in line with the preferences she laid out in past negotiations, from its relatively modest reforms to prescription drug pricing, to action on climate to the 15% corporate minimum tax rate estimated to raise $313 billion. Indeed, that the legislation neglects broader hikes on the highest income Americans is itself a form of concession. There is, however, a big exception. The closure of the carried interest loophole has been a boogeyman for Ms. Cinema from the beginning, but it is in the bill before her today, and for good reason. <coughs> The carried interest loophole is essentially a way for fund managers to make a lot of money and pay the government very little back because the share of the fund's profits they receive for their work is taxed at the top rate of just under 24%, dramatically less than the 37% top rate for ordinary income. This giveaway is so valuable that many have that may many have it to thank for the bulk of their fortunes. The Wall Street Journal reported last week that Blackstone Incorporated, Chief Executive Stephen Schwartzman, 
received somewhere around $150 million in carried interest compensation last year. Two other executives at the company received close to $92 million and $77 million. There's simply no excuse for any lawmaker who purports to care about economic justice or equality to oppose eliminating the carried interest loophole. Well, of course, unless you're a conservative who worships the wealthy and powerful and despises the poor and the weak as a matter of ideology and policy, as I explained with the Ayn Rand objectivism and uh, the Friedrich Nietzsche, the idea that the Ubermensch should, should just, you know, not be constrained by so-called rules designed to benefit the Undermensch, the ordinary mensch, that, he, that the uh, Superman should just jump over the, uh, you know, the uh, under the lesser beings and uh, and not be held back by any of. Uh, it's like uh, honey badger don't care. Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. <clears throat> All right, back to the article. Yet at the same time, Congress, many of whose members benefit from the donations of the deep-pocketed, could allow this scandal to persist, especially if Ms. Cinema demands it. She shouldn't. Republicans have been making hay in recent days of an analysis by the Nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation, claiming that the reconciliation would raise rates on those earning less than $400,000 per year, contrary to President Biden's pledges. This is mostly meaningless. The theory that some of the new 15% minimum tax on corporations would be passed on to employees and to shareholders doesn't change the reality that the bulk of the burden would fall on the richest and the bulk of the benefit would rebound to those worse off. Whether it comes as help affording medicine or health care or as an investment in slowing global warming. <clears throat> Ms. Cinema, Ms. Cinema shouldn't sink this bill, most of whose contents she has indicated in the past that she supports. And she shouldn't sink it because she opposes closing the carried interest loophole. That provision unambigu unambiguously aids those who need help most at the expense only of those who need it not at all. And that editorial, if you want to read it in full, can be found on WashingtonPost.com under the headline, Don't Sink This Bill, Senator Cinema. Uh-oh, Fox News so mad at Joe Manchin now. How very dare he? It's from Wonket.com by Evan Hurst, August 2nd, 2022. <clears throat> oh, and I suppose there's still a few minutes when someone could call into this call-in talk radio show to comment with their opinions on what's actually in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and if you are for or against it. I challenge any conservatives to call in and tell me how wonderful conservatism is or uh, any uh, progressives to call in and uh, agree with how much it stinks. Well, I'll just say it's counterproductive to uh, the wealth of the nation and to uh, broadly enjoyed uh, life, liberty, happiness, prosperity, lifespan, uh, 
gross domestic product. Uh, and really, if you look up uh, economy, Republicans versus Democrats, you'll find it's not just one article, it's every article, which says that all the economic indicators, at least since World War II, which most of the articles, that's the time period they mention since uh, Harry Truman, that when there's uh, Democrats in the White House, the economy, all indicators, have been better. Better gross domestic product, better deficit reduction, <clears throat> better S&P 500, better everything, according to the statistics. <clears throat> All right, Joe, Fox News, so mad at Joe Manchin now, grr, how very dare he, grr. All right. Fox News is really mad at Joe Manchin for being a Democrat who occasionally wrangles deals in back rooms with other Democrats and they are especially mad at him for coming out in support of whatever inflation mansion houseboat better bill he negotiated with Chuck Schumer so that he might receive ex maximum extra credit for supporting a bill that accomplishes things that are part of the agenda of the president who is in the same party as he is. <clears throat> Manchin was on with Fox News's Harris Faulkner this morning because when you want hilarious, fake, sincere outrage from one of the daytime anchors, she is good at that. She will just read her propaganda talking points like a real live journalist, like that time Arkansas GOP Senator Tom Cotton put on a plaid skirt and a big shiny red nose and did a clown square dance dancer routine in A.G. Merrick Garland's general direction, accusing Garland of believing conservative parents are, quote, domestic terrorists, unquote. And of course, if some of them are, they are. And uh, Faulkner told her viewers at the time, quote, you need to watch this, calling it, quote, riveting and assuring the old grunting haystacks at home that Fox News was, quote, isolating all the most important clips from that day's Garland hearing, like a real curator of the news doing, quote, analysis of what is, quote, important. So it was with this Manchin interview where Faulkner got very mad at Manchin for interfering with the dissemination of whatever talking points came out of Rupert Murdoch's big body holes this morning. It starts normally enough. Manchin is like, doody doody oh, I'm a person who cares about my constituents and only does things because I love America. Harris Faulkner replies by playing clips of punchable doucheface Peter Ducey spreading Republican lies at press secretary Karen Jean-Pierre's about how the inflation deflation bill raises taxes on people making under $400,000 per year. And that just started them down the road to malarkey. Quote, we got to know the bottom line, said Faulkner. Manchin told her the bottom line. He asked her to be accurate and not be unfair. On Fox News, Faulkner did not like any of his answers about corporate taxes. Quote, this is the part that counts, explains Harris Faulkner, who knows the parts that count. She continued, quote, I'm reading, and I am reading, Senator, because she reads, that now people making under $400,000 per year are going to get a tax hike. 
No, 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 Joe Manchin explained. So she repeated as fact again that people making under $400,000 per year were going to have a tax hike, and Joe Manchin was done. Quote, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's a lie, that's pure outright lie, said Joe Manchin. So credit to Joe Manchin for calling Fox News a liar to its face. And this discussion continues on. However, we've run out of time. So this has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening. And now with a song by the Rolling Stones from uh, July of, uh, or at least the summer of 1967. Good night. <laughs>